book of Hebrews. We're back into the book of Hebrews. Praise the Lord. Glad to get back into a Bible study. I really want to encourage you, if you're here, you don't have a Bible, please get a Bible off of the pew in front of you. There should be a red one there in the back of, of, the, of the pew. Uh, today's text is, is one of those texts where I promise you, if you're reading it, you're following along, you will be spoken to. It's the Word of God. And today we're going to cover some serious topics. We will be looking at soteriology. We will be looking at the impeccability of Christ. We'll be looking at the hypostatic union. We will be looking at the, His deity. We will be looking... Anyway, there's a lot of stuff. Don't worry, we're going to break it down. All right. But this is a section of Scripture that includes some serious doctrine. Substitutionary atonement is front and center. I know those big words scare us, guys. Don't let them. Because I'm going to tell you, this is meat and potatoes. But I love the Word of God because it puts it on the bottom shelf for simple folk like me to be able to eat. And I think this morning we're going to feed on God's Word. And uh, I'm excited about this section of Scripture. There's some good stuff here. We won't hit on all that stuff in depth. I throw that out there. We're going to survey it. But... This is a text, when you go home this week, if you want to dig it out, you, there's a lot here to meditate on. So, with that said, let's look in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5, and we'll pick up our reading uh, here in the Word of God. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak, in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. And set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under His feet. For in that, He put all in subjection under Him. He left nothing that is not put under Him. But now, we do not yet see all things put under Him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both He who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason He is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in Him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed... He does not give aid to angels, but He does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, He had to be made like His brethren, he, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that He Himself has suffered, being tempted, He's able to aid those who are being tempted. Father, I pray for the 
preaching and teaching of your word this morning, and I ask that the Holy Spirit be our teacher. I pray that you will guard my tongue, guide my thoughts, and help me, Lord, to speak only that which you would have me speak. And Lord, for those things that uh, do come out that uh, are not of significance, may they be forgotten, but may our hearts meditate on and capture the truth of your word. Speak to us, Lord, through the preaching and teaching of your word. May the Holy Spirit have free course here today. Search our hearts and bring conviction where it's needed. Bring surrender where it's needed. Bring salvation where it's needed. And Lord, we will thank you and we will give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. On Wednesday nights, we've been studying about anxiety. And truth be told, at any given moment, any given circumstance, we start to stress it a little bit, don't we? We get a little nervous. We get a little anxious. We... Uh, we doubt, we worry. Circumstances can kind of crush us if we, if we let them, if we put our attention and focus on the circumstances. I'm grateful and thankful that my salvation does not depend upon what's happening, but it's based upon what has happened. And Christ has paid in full. He has purchased our redemption. This passage we're going to look at here today is one of the strongest passages you're going to find where it makes it real clear that Christ has provided a way for each and every one of us. Not only for eternal salvation, but for sanctification. For the helping us face everyday circumstances. We don't do it alone. Some of you are here today and you're carrying the weight of the world. I pray today, before you leave, you lay it down at the foot of the altar. You lay it down at the cross of Calvary. God did not intend for you to carry the weight of the world. He did that for you. He's made a way. This passage will expose that to our hearts if we'll allow this teaching to be understood. And so I pray that as we go through this, you understand this. One of the phrases we learned this past week in our Wednesday night in dealing with anxiety Help me out, Wednesday night crowd, is what? Three words. Wednesday night crowd. Say it loud. Loud and proud. Jesus what? Thank you. Jesus is enough. There were four of you paying attention Wednesday. I appreciate that. Jesus is enough. Hashtag Jesus is enough. That's good. Because He is. His grace is sufficient. Don't know what you're facing. Don't know what you came in here with this morning, but let me tell you, loud and clear, Jesus is enough. He is enough. Look, if you would, here in this text, and I'm going to probably need a little, a little some water. I think I'm starting to get what Sarah has. Pray for Sarah. Bless her heart. She came to church, and she didn't even make it to Sunday school. She camped out in my office. And so... Uh, uh, Sarah's watching at home. Sarah, Jesus is enough, but we're going to give it a little time, all right? So y'all pray for her. Pray that the other Varners don't get uh, what's been going around. In verses 6 through 8 here in this text, and we'll go back to 5 because that's where we started the reading, and this is where the subject matter kind of comes apart here. It kind of breaks out. He says, we've not put the world to come of which we speak in subjections to angels. Now remember the first part of this text in Hebrews 1 we've been talking about, Jesus is better than the angels. Remember, Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than the angels. And so that thought is continuing here. And then he goes into this and he, he begins to say, but one testified in a certain place. He's actually quoting Psalm 8 here. And he goes on and he says, What is man that you are mindful of him? And notice this little section. Or the Son of Man that you take care of Him. You've made Him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned Him with glory and honor and set Him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under His feet. Now some people have interpreted this that this section right here is speaking to Jesus. No, 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 no. This is speaking to man. Mankind. Because think about it. When man was originally created, we were created in the image of God. Man had dominion. And when I speak of man, I mean mankind. Right? 
He made them male and female. That's how God made them. And he put the world under subjection to them. You are a scholar, my friend. Servant and a scholar. Thank you. Oh, that was the bathroom water. I'm just kidding. I see how you work. Yes, it is. Thank you. So, when God created us originally, creating us in His image, He created us to have dominion. All things, everything was under subjection to mankind. Man blew it, right? We rebelled against God. Tempted by Satan, man failed. And the curse enters the world. And as a result of the curse, we still see struggle today. In fact, sin waxes, it grows worse and worse. The groanings of this world, and all we need to do is look around in the chaos and the anarchy and the things that are happening seems to be growing worse and worse. Like birthing pains. And it will continue to increase more and more. And Scripture likens it to that. Likened to a, a, a person in labor. Thankful the decks are here. New baby. Praise the Lord. But I imagine Jessica probably can understand this. She's the most recent one here to have the baby. And so she understands this. As it got closer and closer and closer. Right? Those birthing pains closer and closer. Guys, we're going to see things will get worse. They will get worse. They will get worse. What's it headed to? The return of Christ. Because he's made a promise that he will fulfill. He will return to this earth. Paradise loss will be paradise restored. This is a fulfillment of God's promise to man. And he's made a way. So... Let's see what happens here in this text. So, so he deals with man in this verses 6 through 8 in his original dominion. Verse 8, you've put all things in subjection under his feet. Then he goes on, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now, we do not yet see all things put under him. Right? I mean, just look around the world. Is everything under subjection to you? When's the last time you, can, you, know, the, the, you were able to control the floods and the hurricanes and, the, and, and those things? I don't see that happening. Do you? You know? Animals gone wild. <sighs> you know, when's the last time you stopped a, a lion on the attack, you know, mauling somebody? Yeah. So the scripture here makes it clear. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that's not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. The curse has consequences. And as a result, though there is still a semblance of dominion, it is marred. This is why you see a beautiful day. And then it turns to chaos through a tornado, tsunami. This is why you have a rose. It's beautiful, Ow! but yet has a thorn. These are results of the fall. We do not yet see all things put under him. Now there's a shift in the text. Look in verse 9. But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. You want to know what Jesus' purpose and reason for coming to the earth was? Keep reading. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Guys, Jesus had to come in the form of a man. 
Let's be real clear. Christ existed in all eternity past. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Perfect union, perfect relationship. By the way, I love what Tiago was reading, the passage in Scripture, and if you were listening, he talked about how one day, again, there will be this fellowship in heaven. There will be this fellowship in glory. You know, sometimes I think we, we don't do our understanding of heaven justice. I appreciate Pridge, and he asked uh, one time, Hey, preacher, you, you're going to teach sometime maybe on heaven. Because, you know, let's think about it. Sometimes we kind of dull heaven, don't we? So what are we going to do for eternity? Sing songs? Hmm, boy, it makes me want to go today. Because I'm such a great singer, you know. What, we're going to eat? I mean, we're Baptists, but come on, man, eternity? It's a lot of eating. You know? Talk about the mile-long buffet. That's an eternal buffet. What's it going to be like? You know what I think? And again, Scripture, it doesn't really matter what I think. Scripture points to relationship. Think about what, what really excites you the most in life. I mean, think about some of these things. Relationship. Your relationships that are the closest bring you some of the most satisfaction. The greatest gift that God has given to man, young people, you're going to have to talk to your parents about this one later. But the union of marriage, when a man and woman come together as God intended in the in the confines of holy matrimony, that is one of the most physical bliss that a person can experience this side of life. Again, the most intimate of relationships. God gives us a taste of bliss that still doesn't even become, doesn't even begin to come close in comparison to what glory is like. The intimacy of relationships. Fellowship. And just again, in a human sense, we can kind of understand the joy relationships bring. To imagine perfect union, perfect intimacy, perfect fellowship in the presence of God. Again, what God has prepared, we cannot even begin to fathom. The glory, the bliss. And it's eternal. Heaven is so much more than words can explain. But we currently reside in a fallen state. We sin against God, we transgress, and sin has entered the world. And because of that, death. we all in this room will face death. But man struggles not only with the fear of physical death, we are born spiritually dead. We have no interest in the things of God. Because of the fall of man, we are cut off spiritually from God. We are dead spiritually. And unless we are made alive, quickened by the presence of the Holy Spirit, the drawing of the Holy Spirit, we will never desire the things of God. We will never enter into that fellowship, that relationship, that intimacy that God desires for us to be a part of, to be in. And so God's made a way. So God takes on the form of a man. And He comes for the substitution. Our first point, substitution. Look in verse 9. By the way, the substitutionary atonement, you hear this thrown around. This refers to Jesus Christ dying as a substitute for sinners. Christ is our substitute. For, he's, he's the substitute for sinners. The scriptures teach that all men are sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The scriptures teach that all men are sinners and it teaches that the penalty for our sinfulness is death. That's why there's death in this world. We've rebelled against God. There is death. 
for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This explains the reason of the incarnation. Why did God have to come in the form of a man? This passage speaks to why God comes in the form of a man. It was mankind who transgress. Adam, you hear scripture references to this, the first Adam and the second Adam. Christ, in a sense, is the second Adam. He came to purchase back what the first Adam lost. So God enters into the world in the form of a man, the incarnation. It also explains the purpose. Notice what verse 9 says. It gives us the purpose. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. That's why He came. He came to suffer. For the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he, may, that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. It explains the purpose. He came to taste death for everyone. Now, I understand, gang, not everyone will be saved. But just as Adam in his transgression affected all of mankind, the second Adam in His sinless perfection, purchased at the cross the means and the way for mankind. All the means, follow me now, to have restoration with the Father. But not all will come. God's willing not, that none would perish but that all would come to repentance, but not all will come. Now, we are Calvinistic. We are not hyper-Calvinists. We are not full-fledged Arminians. But this phrase used right here in the Greek for everyone is the phrase huperpantos. And let me just say, this Greek phrase, without any added to or any taking away, simply means everyone, mankind. It does not categorize certain sections, certain groups. The offer is real. The offer is open. And many will teach on both sides of the aisle and try to add to or take away. But let me just say what the text says. He by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Again, not everyone will be saved. But the gift, the offer is there. And you want to talk about the grace of God? Because it is the grace of God. Where is the grace of God found? It's found in the person of Christ. The offer is there. This is why Christ came. He's made a way. He's made a bridge. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And we can't come apart from the grace of God. We would not have willed. We could not by the will of flesh made the second of the Trinity come in the form of man. I can't will that in my flesh. I can't do good deeds and works to make that relationship right. The only hope that you and I have to be made right with God is if God does something. Guess what? God did something. Because of His grace, He sent His Son into the world. And He's made a way. He's opened the door. The door is open. He says, I am the door. I am the gate. If you want to enter in, here's the way. Jesus is the way. The means is there. It's provided. Whosoever will, let them come. And who will come? Those who are drawn. 
No one can come unless they're drawn. You know what the Spirit of God does in the world today? He convicts. He brings judgment. He draws. I mean, again, this, this is language of the Scriptures. When we proclaim the gospel, we plant the seed. It's God who brings the increase. Salvation belongs to the Lord. These are scriptural things, guys, but let's be real clear. Just as this is written to a Jewish audience, and you remember the Jews were God's chosen people. But the offer was to all around who would become proselytes, right? And just like even now in the church age, that branch is grafted in the Gentile nation as a whole, we are recipients of the grace. Whosoever will, let them come. You know, it says that he tasted, that he might taste death for everyone. This is the same word here that's used for the cupbearer. Remember, we studied Nehemiah. Remember what the cupbearer did? Cupbearer, Nehemiah, his job is to drink, eat, taste of the food that's brought to the king. Why? Make sure it's not poison. If there's poison in there, guess who's going to be the recipient and take it first? Cupbearer. Probably don't eat that chicken tonight, I'm just saying. Sorry, Johnny. You know. Right? Look at this text. Instead of the cupbearer taking and tasting the poison, the king... King Jesus tasted the poison, taking our sin upon himself, tasting death on our behalf. He took it. It was ours. It belonged to us. The wages of my sin, the wages of your sin is death. We deserve the death. Not Jesus. Jesus never sinned. He's, that's why it takes God coming in the form of man, living amongst mankind, being tempted in every way that we are tempted yet without sin. No one took his life. He laid it down. He laid it down for us so that those doors would be open. That whosoever will would come, he would let come. His offer extends but people love darkness rather than light, and so they won't come. And so the writer to the people of Hebrews, they're writing because, again, they're struggling with all kinds of things. There's part of them who are believers or some who are non-believers, just some of them wanting to hold on to some of the traditions. Some of them who are thinking, well, the angels brought the information to Moses and the law, and so therefore maybe we should worship some angels and incorporate that in our ritualistic stuff and... The writer saying, no, man, Jesus is enough. Jesus is better. He's better than the prophets. He's, he's better than the angels. We see Jesus. Our second thing here we focus on, we see Him as our Savior. We see Him as our substitution and we see Him as our Savior. Verse 10. For it was fitting for Him. For whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And we're going to have to take this section apart here. This word captain, aye, aye captain, is the Greek word archagos. Oh, I like that. I was doing a little pirate theme there, and it just kind of, archagos. Anyway, sorry. It's the captain of their salvation. This word archagos, it means a pioneer. It means a prince. It's a leader. It's a founder of a city or, or one who starts a family. Founder of a city or a family in which one enters into. Captain of our salvation. What does this mean? 
Well, when I was a kid, some of you young boys out here might can relate to this. I don't know if y'all do this, but when I was a kid, we didn't have all this cool electronics and stuff, so we had to play with sticks and rocks. But I did find a machete. Machete. Had a machete. Don, cover your ears back there, brother, because Don works with machete every day, so he knows how to handle one. Us kids probably need permission from parents. Disclaimer. But I found a machete. Hey, look what I found. <laughs> and me and my neighbors, we went trailblazing, man. Me and my neighbor Danny, his little brother Stephen, we always pick on Stephen, but anyway, we would, we would go through, man, hacking through the woods, making tra trails, cutting down trees. Man, it was great time. You'd spend a whole week just working on one path through the woods so you could ride your bike. And it was really cool if you found like a ditch and stuff and you could make a little jump and a ramp. Man, it was great fun outdoors just cutting down trees. Now, I don't know whose property it was. I probably should have checked. But anyway, I know that's terrible, isn't it? Be easy on the kids. But man, we would, we would make these trails that weren't there before. Guys, this word archegos, it's the word for a pioneer. You remember when the pioneers would cut across the country and they would make a path that wasn't there before. Guys, there was not a path before from here to heaven. And Jesus Christ is our trailblazer. He cut the path. He made the way. That's why He came into this world and took on the form of a man. That through the suffering and death of the cross and the burial and payment for our sin, He not only laid down His life, he proved he was God incarnate and took his life up and has trailblazed to glory and sat down at the right hand of the Father showing it is finished, it is done, whosoever will, let them come. Man, that's awesome news, guys, because I don't know about you, I got a pretty heavy sin account. And God demonstrated His love while I was still a sinner. Christ died for me. He loves you. And He's proven that love. He's demonstrated that love at the cross. And he's made a way. This is what this path is saying. He's the captain of your salvation. Jesus not only leads the way in that, think about it. He leads the way in our sanctification. He leads the way in, our, in, in every aspect when you think about obedience. He says in Gethsemane, let this cup pass. Remember? Talking about the cup bear. Let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will be done, thy will be done. Submissiveness to the will of the Father. Even in the Godhead, we see submissiveness. They're equal. Of course they're equal. They're co-eternal. Of course they are. But do you see the example Christ leaves us? He knew what was coming. Yet his humanity, his humanity desired that oh, if there's any other way, but he was willing to die to self. Gang, you talk about an example. We often must die to self. He also showed us the example in suffering. He he had not sinned, and yet through the cross of suffering. Hebrews will go on in later and tell us in Hebrews 13. Let's just flip over there real quick. Let's look at that passage. Um, actually, go to 12. And look in verse 3. For consider him. 
Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You've not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives." If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but He for our profit, that we may be partakers of His holiness. Now no, chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And he goes on, he says basically that the Lord endured the suffering of the cross for the joy that was set before Him. Guys, we're going to face sufferings in this world. Christ is our example. Christ is enough in helping us to understand suffering, love, death. Resurrection. He's the captain of our salvation. He's led the way in this. He's shown the way in this. He's blazed the trail ahead of us. So we need to walk and follow after Him in these areas of life. So we see Him not only as our substitution, we see Him as our Savior, we also see Him as our sanctifier. Look at Hebrews 5, 8. It says this, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. I mean, what a passage to to chew on and help us in our sufferings, huh? If God... the second person of the Trinity in the form of a son in the humanity allowed the sufferings to help him in the area of obedience. Wow. We too are sons in a sense of adoption. He is our brother. He is our example. Don't take my word for it. Let's continue our study. He is our sanctifier. Notice what it says here in Hebrews 2. He goes on and says, verses 11 through 17. For it was fitting um, uh, for both he who sanctifies. By the way, let me, let me back up for a second because I don't want anybody to misunderstand this. Where it says to make the captain of salvation perfect through sufferings. That's not speaking of morality. Jesus was perfect in morality. All right. The idea here, again, is Christ to be a high priest, to understand humanity, He takes on the form of humanity. In the sense of, I don't know about you, but aren't you grateful that your God is not some God who's off in a ivory tower, some God who's unrelatable, some Zeus-type God, some uh, God who's at a distance who doesn't understand. No, that's not our God, guys. Our God is a God who loved us enough to come in form of a man. Experience what you've experienced in the sense of weariness, hunger, Suffering, temptation, yet without 
sin. Some have argued the difference of, uh, uh, again, the, the impeccability of Christ. This is the subject we get into here. We're not going into that today. Um, I'm sure your Sunday school classes between Larry and Dean will hit on it many times. If they haven't already, good stuff. But gang, listen. The idea that Christ came into the world, emptied himself of those, uh, and again, the, uh, we see this in Scripture, this idea of taking on the form of a lowly servant. Some have argued that that in and of itself, to come into this waste-filled world of sin, was temptation enough to exchange the bliss and glory of heaven, the perfection of heaven, to even step into the earthly robe of a man? It's been said he could have come as anything else and it would have been better than coming as a man. The lowliest, if you will, the, the lowest, because man's the one who is a problem on this planet, if you will. Yet, God didn't leave us undone. He took on the form of a man, took on the form of a servant, and even that in and of itself, to step into this sin-cursed world for a holy God, I cannot even begin to imagine. Yet we know He lived and never sinned. And so we see Him as our sanctifier. And uh, continue reading. For, he, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified. Hey, that's you. That's me. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason? He is not ashamed to call them brethren. How awesome is this? Jesus says, you're my brother. You're my sister. He identifies with you. God identifies with you in humanity. He identifies with you in salvation. Those who are in Christ Jesus. Think about what John said. For as many as receive Him. For as many as receive Him. Who? Jesus. For as many as receive Him, to them He gives the right to become what? So children of God. Sons of God, right? We are children of God. And in that sense, the adoptive sense, in the relational sense, Jesus identifies with us. Look, this is prophetic fulfillment. Psalm 22. Go to Psalm 22 real quick. Hold your spot. Psalm 22. Psalm 22. You know, and again, this is a messianic psalm. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture where Christ is on the cross and He says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's fulfilled in Matthew. You see it. Read it there. Again, uh, won't go into all that, but here they should have been recognizing they hear those words, Psalm 22. They see the casting of Lot for his clothes. They should have thought Psalm 22. And we know that God has not forsaken His Son in that Psalm 22 tells us that um, uh, He heard His cry. Verse 24 says, For He has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has He hidden His face from Him. But when he cried to him, he heard. But notice what verse 22 says up above that. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Guys, how awesome is this? Today when we sing praises to God, Jesus says, you're my brethren. When you are here as a believer gathered in the name of Christ, Christ is in the midst. Don't take that Matthew passage. That has to do with church discipline. When he says, you've heard it said, two or three agree. If two or three agree, I'm in the midst. That's church service. No, it ain't. That's church discipline. Read the context. All right? But understand your point where there are believers. Christ says, I'm in the midst of the congregation. This Hebrews passage says the same. Jesus says, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. I wonder how many of us are ashamed to call Jesus Lord. Let's just get real for a minute. How many of us deny Him with our lifestyle? Oh, you want Jesus to identify with you, especially on the day of judgment. 
It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Oh, we want Jesus then, but I don't want Jesus now to cramp my lifestyle. Because I love my sin more than I love my Savior. I'm just getting real, gang. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brethren, but we are ashamed to openly say that we belong to Jesus. Who should be more embarrassed? We watched a movie this week, my family, our family night. I'm not endorsing this movie, but I'm going to tell you we watched it. All right, I'm transparent. You can judge me later. Go home and if you watch it, you can throw Oh, I can't believe they watch this and let their kids watch this. That's terrible. I'd never do that. Cut it off. Anyway, it's called Not Ashamed. Who's seen it? Not Ashamed. It's the story of Rachel Scott, Columbine. Oh, there's two in the house. Oh, we're going to throw rocks at y'all too. Anyway, look, it's, I understand why they did and what they did. It's the true account of the Columbine murder. All right? Rachel Scott's one of the first girls who's shot and killed. And it's about her struggle, her real struggle with following Christ. And she's on and she's off. One minute she's at the parties, boozing it up, temptations. Next minute she's broken and crying out for God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness. So again, it's not for everybody in the sense, I understand that. If I were making the movie, I would have just cut the scene. They walk into the party, you hear music, you see solo cups, cut the scene, right? You know, the bedroom door opens, cut the scene. You know, that's how, we're good, we get the point. I'm not making the movie, so sorry. But guys, she, she comes to a place to where she realizes Jesus is enough. And so when that moment comes, deny God. She won't. She didn't. And they took her life. Are we ashamed of Christ? She struggles with being ashamed. She, she knows she shouldn't be in these scenes. She knows she shouldn't be involved in that. She struggled with that until she come to the point she realizes he's not ashamed of her. Guys, he's not ashamed of you in the sense that he was willing to take on the form of a man. He was willing to come and walk in your shoes. He knows your struggles and yet he did and, and, and perfectly did on our behalf so that we could follow after him. I want to I be holy. I want to be sanctified. Not because it's going to earn me favor with God. I want to be holy because God says, Be ye holy for I am holy. I want to follow after Christ on His trail, on His path, because His yoke is light. Because of the love that was demonstrated on the cross, what else can I do but love my Lord and Savior with my life? He gave me His life. Why can I not give Him mine? He's the sanctifier. Neither the deity nor the humanity of Jesus are negotiable. If we diminish either, He's unable to save us. But guys, He is 100% God and He's 100% man. And He's made a way. At last, He's our security. Let's just skip down. And again, I hate to do this. Guys, there's so much here in this text. Please go home and study it and read it. But look down in the last verse, verse 18. Well, actually, go back. Let's go back to 17. Therefore, in all things, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things per pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted. He's able to aid those who are tempted. Guys, he's security. He's help for you. He's help for you. He's merciful and he's faithful. Don't you want that in a representative? 
Don't you want that in your high priest who sits at the right hand of the throne of God? Because you've got an adversary who's also there accusing you day and night. The accuser of the brethren. But isn't it great to know you've got an advocate in the person of Jesus Christ who advocates on your behalf, who is merciful and he's faithful. He'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. He's made a way for you. Whosoever will, let them come. We see Jesus. We see Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's who we look to. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all. Having obtained eternal redemption, Hebrews 9, 12. By that we, will have, we have been sanctified. By that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hebrews 10, 10. Gang, it is done. It is finished. God stepped into time. For a time made little lower than the angels. He stepped into time. His incarnation. Cute little baby. Those hands were fashioned to take the nails of the cross. That chubby little cheek and that fat little head of his was, was there. For the sake of the crowns. He grew to be a man. He lived a sinless life. And he took what we deserved. We deserve death. But God loves you. And he sent his only begotten son. That whosoever shall believe in him. Should not perish. But have everlasting life. He went into the grave and death no longer need scare you. I know, it's the how we die that bothers us. But gang, let me just say, Jesus went into the grave and he blazed a trail of resurrection. He has made the path clear. And if we by faith will turn from our sin and Receive the grace that God offers us in His Son, Jesus Christ. For by grace have you been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. We can't boast about it. But it is a gift of God. And I pray if you're here today and you've never received that gift, God offers you a gift today. Will you by faith receive it and call upon the only name under heaven by which man can be saved and that is by the name of Jesus Christ let's pray Father as we close this section